Would you remain standing in honor of God's word as we go to our text for this series? John chapter number 10, the life text. John chapter number 10, verse 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Basically, if you're looking for the right life or your best life, that's a big thing now, how to live your best life now, the God kind of life, an abundant life to get your life back, then Jesus is your person. Because he and he alone is the only one that can truly give you a life that never disappoints and always satisfies. And if you back up just a few verses, one more scripture, and then we'll pray. He tells us how to live that kind of life. One of the keys to walking in the God kind of life. John chapter number 10, verse number 4. He says, and when he brings out his sheep, he goes before them. Notice that he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. From that text, I want to speak to you to this key, or speak to you from this key about how to have the God kind of life, and that is simply follow him. Follow him. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to everybody who's hearing this message at any location, at home, here at our production location, would you speak powerfully to every heart? Let us really get this truth on the inside of us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated. As you know, we live in a social media world, don't we? It's all about the social media these days. You, everybody has social media just about, and it's all about the followers. How do you get more followers? Ten tips to increasing your followers. Five ways to boost your followers. Who are you following? Who's got the most followers? And this social media generation is really a microcosm of a greater life truth, and that is who you are following determines both where and how you will end up in life. And in the Christian life, we need to especially be selective of who we are following because even the best leaders have warts, right? Even perfect people, even people who seem to have it all together have different areas of their lives that need improvement. And this is why even the great apostle Paul put a caveat on following him. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse number one, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Not just blatantly follow me, but follow what you see in me that is a reflection of Christ. And so he caveats it. But I don't even know there's one person who doesn't put a caveat on following him. Because he's the only individual who doesn't have any warts, who doesn't have any shortcomings. And that is Jesus himself. And his call to follow him is a clarion one. Thirteen times in the Gospels, Jesus tells us, to follow him. The most famous of all is perhaps Matthew 16, verse 24, where he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And, and that probably sounds a little peculiar because that's really not what most Christian lives look like. Can we be honest? Most Christian lives are really not about the denial of self. Matter of fact, most Christian lives are really about, you know, feeding self. Whatever feels good, whatever seems good, whatever your flesh wants. 
at that particular moment. But Zoe life, you remember the God kind of life, changes you, right? It changes your desire. And so Jesus has given us this clarion call, follow him. We learn from the story of the rich young ruler that Jesus' call to follow him is really one to forsake all. Notice what he said to him in Mark 10. He said, one thing you lack, go sell your way. Go, go, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. What's he saying? In order to really be a follower, you gotta be a forsaker, right? You can't be a follower and not a forsaker, you gotta be willing to forsake everything. In other words, Jesus needs to have first place in our lives. Jesus' call to follow him, is also a promise to never walk in darkness. John chapter 8, verse number 12. I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus' call to follow him is a promise to make us into something. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 9. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you want to be made into something, everybody trying to be something, but I, I found out the greatest way to become something is just to follow Jesus because he will make you into not just fishers of men, but into who he has designed you to be. Jesus called to follow him has eternal rewards. Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, he says to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory... You who followed me will also sit on 12 uh, thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. It has eternal rewards. Jesus' call to follow him is for whoever will, even for people who don't look like they will follow him. Remember what he did with Levi, the tax collector. Luke chapter 5, verse number 27. He went out. He saw a tax collector. They were hated. They were the people who were the oppressors of other people. The ta- he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. By the way, people who you don't think have an appetite for Jesus do have an appetite for Jesus. The people who are in the most kind of, uh, who have the most distance away from Christ, believe it or not, they have an appetite for Jesus because they know on the inside of them, they know in their in their inner conscience that God has a better life for them. But then Jesus' call to follow him is even after we fail. Remember what he said to Peter after he denied him? Not once, not twice, but three times. He met him on the shore of Galilee, and he looked at him, and John 21 verse 19 says, he looked at him and he said, follow me. Let's face it. The question of every generation, and especially the social media-driven generation, is not how many followers do you have, not what person that is famous are you following, but are you following Jesus? And in our text, Jesus is telling us that following him is for our benefit. Matter of fact, this is one of the ways that you get your life back. This is one of the ways that you walk in the abundant life that you and I want. Because if we're real for a moment, let's face it, when our life seems screwed up, when our life seems off rails, when our life seems seems purposeless or frustrated or hopeless or going nowhere or hitting dead ends, it's usually because we stopped following Jesus. And so what does he do? He calls us back. He says, follow me, don't follow culture, follow me. Don't follow the latest craze, follow me. Don't, t- don't follow the news, follow me. Don't follow politics, follow me. Don't follow what's going on in and around you all the time, follow me. He is the key to abundant life. And so 
Jesus is telling us that this is something that we need to get deep in our hearts if we want to get our life back. If your marriage is off track, follow me, Jesus says. If your finances are off track, follow me. If your health is off track, follow me. If your career is off track, follow me. If your emotions are out of whack, follow me. If your mind is all jacked up, follow me. If your habits are hurting you, follow me. He's got instructions for every one of those situations. And in our stubbornness, sometimes we say, well, no, I'll do, I'll do it my way. Jesus is saying, follow me. I heard this story that really highlights the power of what this verse is talking about. He goes before them and leads them out. There's a story about a woman who kept getting locked in her bathroom door in our queen's apartment. And uh, she couldn't figure out how it was happening. But one day she goes to the bathroom and one of the kids goes to open the door and the doorknob comes off. And, and now she can't get out of the bathroom and, and she's got two other little kids, two and four there that are in the apartment. The, the, the stove is, you know, going and there's a boiling pot of water on the stove and she's frantic. She thinks one of the kids is going to get hurt and she keeps going from trying to knock the door down to calling out the window asking for help. And she's finally getting to a point where it's hopeless and this guy who lives 20 miles away just happened to be walking by and he hears her call and he waves and he says, I'll be right there to help you. Goes up shortly thereafter, a few minutes, she hears his voice outside the bathroom door. He says, listen, you know where the doorknob fell off? She says, yes. Yeah. She he says, put your two fingers in there and lift up and then push on the door. And she does it and the door miraculously opens. She goes, she comforts her kids and her kids are okay and she goes back to him. She says, how in the world did you know how to do that? He said, I used to live here. Without getting too far ahead of myself, I want to encourage some of you that God has already been there. John chapter 10, verse number 4, when it says he goes before them, it literally means that God has visited the place that he wants to lead you to. He goes there. He's been there. He goes into time, steps back to our present, takes us by the hand, and leads us to the place that he has visited. And so today, maybe you're overwhelmed. Or maybe, you know, you, you can't figure out how things are going to change. I want you to know that if you'll follow Jesus, he will take you to a place that he has already visited. He goes before you. And I want you to see a couple of reasons why this is so key. So key. Following him is so key to living the abundant life. Because when you follow him, you're going to places he's already visited. And number one, if he's visited it, He's already prepared it. Now, to understand the power of this little section in our text, he goes before us. We have to go back to the Old Testament place that describes the sheep-shepherd relationship because John t- chapter 10 is all about that sheep-shepherd relationship. So to understand what, what the scripture is talking about when it says he goes before them, we got to go back to the place where the Old Testament shepherd David tells us about what this kind of metaphor looks like. Psalm 23, verse number 5. You remember it and you know it well. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Now when we read that verse, it's it's a sound good verse, doesn't it? Anybody ever get excited about that verse? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yes. And you know, some things in life seem too good to be true. This verse is better than it sounds. Some things seem too good to be true. This verse is 
better than it sounds. And as we come to the verse, it's noteworthy to point out that the sheep have come from their homestand to the green pasture, to the still waters, through the valley, and now he is leading them to the mountaintop. That's the context of this verse. And how many of you know sometimes in order to get to the mountaintop of life, you got to go through the valley? The valley is not a place where we ought to camp out. The valley is not a place where we ought to quit. The valley is actually a, a place that should prepare us for the mountaintops that God has for us, right? And so he's leading them, and shepherds would lead their sheep to mountaintops, mountaintop country, specifically during the summertime. And these mountaintop areas were known as tablelands. And they were extremely sought after. Every shepherd was looking for the perfect tableland. And so when David says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy, he's not talking about a kitchen table or a dining room table or a table in a restaurant. He's talking about a whole mountain top. Now, here's the thing about these tablelands. They were very, very difficult to get to and very difficult to find. So way before summertime, even before the spring sun would melt the winter snow, and way before the shepherd would lead the sheep to the tablelands, he would make several trips to these hard-to-reach mountaintops trying to find the ideal spot to eventually lead his sheep to. And when he found the ideal spot, way before he brought the sheep there, he would make visits there in order to prepare the mountaintop so that when a sheep got there, they would be comfortable and they would have what they need and they would be taken care of. And so he would go there many, many times. And he would take salt with him and he put it on the ground and minerals in order to prepare it for the sheep. And he would pull all the poisonous weeds that were there. He would clear out the water holes and the springs and the drinking places that had accumulated debris in it and leaves and twigs and stone and soil that had fallen into the water and, and contaminated it or prevented it, the springs from flowing. And he would open up all these springs that had overgrown brush and weeds in it. And this is all the work that he would do to prepare the table before he led the sheep to it. And so very literally in John chapter number 10, verse number four, when it says he goes before them and his sheep follows them, God is letting us know that when we follow him, we are following him to a place that he's already prepared with us in mind. A place that he's prepared, prearranged to meet all of our needs. A place that he's prearranged so that we can have spiritual health and vitality in. A place prearranged with the blessings, all of the blessings that we could ever want. A place of contentment, a place of rest, a place where we can live and walk and graze in the abundant life that Jesus has come to give us. And knowing that he has visited it already lets us know that he's prepared it for us. Why would it we want to follow him to that place. Our problem is we go to places that he hasn't visited because we're not following him. See, I'm reminded of the story of Abraham. You know the story, don't you? Abraham is told by God to go up to the top of Mount Moriah, the temple mount, also a table land, by the way. And it was hard to get there. 
It was a three-day journey to get there. That's why he told this servant, he said, you ain't here, and me and the lad will go off and worship, and we will come yonder onto you. This was a journey, and in order for Abraham to go there to offer up his son Isaac, he had to be willing to lay down what was dearest to him. How many of you know in order to get to the table lands of God, you've got to be willing to lay down everything that is dear to you right here. And the reason why we miss out so much on everything that God has for us is because we hold on to the things that we think are better for us than they actually are. We think what we could give us is better than what God could give us. And so we hold on instead of letting go. And so Abraham, no matter how hard it was to journey there, No matter how much he had to lay down, he followed God. He completely trusted in him. But when he got to the top of the table land, he realized God had already visited the place. That God had already prepared the place. Because right there in that place that God told him to go to, the Bible says there was a ram caught in the thicket. There was a sacrifice waiting for him in the place that God had prepared for him so he could offer Isaac in the, uh, offer the ram in the stead of Isaac. Your provision is in the place that God has visited and prepared for you. And when you follow God, no matter how difficult it looks, no matter how much you have to lay down, you walk into a place where your provisions are waiting for you. My God. Number two, if he visited it, he will protect you. There was one negative about the table lands. The tablelands would usually be surrounded by predators. They would attract the attention of every sheep predator that would be looking for a chance to attack the sheep. Now, there are two takeaways from knowing that. Number one, following the shepherd will lead you to a place, listen to me carefully, where your enemies will have to watch you walk in your blessing. Because on the tableland, they had everything they need. And all around the tableland were the wolves and the coyotes and, and all of the predators of the sheep. And they had a watch. That's why David said, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. I know it ain't right to think like that, There's, but there is some kind of satisfaction in knowing that your enemies have to watch you walk in your blessing. Some kind of satisfaction to know that you try to stop me you try to get in my way. You try to trip me up. You try to bring that drama into my life. But now you got to watch me walk in my blessing and there ain't nothing you can do about it. I know it ain't right to think like that. But I, I just got to tell you that there's some satisfaction in it. But number two, knowing it, he has visited it gives me confidence that he will protect us as we walk in it. You see, as the wolves, the coyotes, the cougars, the bears were watching the sheep enjoying their lives on the tableland and looking for an opportunity to attack, sometimes they would attack. And, and you know, they seemed like they were cool with the sheep just enjoying your blessing. But how many of you know that sometimes your enemies will front on you? When they realize they couldn't get you, when they realize they couldn't take you, they'll start fronting on you. Like they're happy about what you're going through right now. But you know they got attitude on the inside. 
And you know, they're just putting on a smile because they can't do nothing about it. And they're just really waiting for that opportunity to, to attack. But that's okay. Do you know why? Because the shepherd was prepared for that. Because the shepherd would only pick tablelands that had an easy way of escape so that when the coyotes and the wolves and the cougars and the bears came to attack, he could just lead the sheep out of the way to their way of escape. How many of you know 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. If you are following God, you can rest assured that when attacks come your way, there is a way of escape and you'll be like Jesus. Say, what are you talking about, pastor? Remember what they tried to do to Jesus? They would try to attack him as he was walking in his blessing. As he was going about healing people and doing good and, and doing miracles, what would they do? They'd try to attack him. Well, what does the Bible say? He would slip out. And they didn't know where he would go. Next thing they know, they look up again, and there he is again, walking in his blessing again. How many of you know when you follow God and he's visited the place that he leads you to, he's not only prepared it, but he's prepared to protect you so much so that when your enemies come into attack, you'll slip out and you'll come back and show up again. They have to watch you walk in your blessing all over again. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. He promises to protect you. In that place. But then number three, if he's visited it, he will properly equip you to walk in it. Not just protect you, but properly equip you to walk in it. The tablelands are a place of blessing, but they're also a place of summertime flies. And there's nothing that annoys sheep more than flies. All sorts of sheep, all sorts of flies on these tablelands, bot flies and warble flies and heel flies and deer flies, and the hated nemesis of the sheep, the nose fly. The nose fly. The, and these flies were, were wicked because they would get up in the nose of a sheep and they would hatch eggs. And then them flies would literally go buzzing around in the sheep's head and they would look to plant themselves up in the brain and get all up in the, in the head of the sheep. And the sheeps would be so disturbed by that that they would start, you know, stomping their feet. They'd start running back and forth and even get to the point where they would knock their head up against a tree to stop the pain. How many of you know that there are no tablelands in life without irritations? How many of you know that there are, listen, 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 let me, let me bring you back to reality because this generation needs to come to reality a little bit. There is no such thing as mountaintops of blessings without irritants. The more blessed you are, the more irritants that you'll have to learn how to overcome in your life. And so what would the shepherd do? The shepherd would anoint the head of the sheep with oil. Notice what David said. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What's the next thing he says? You anoint my head with oil. Why? Because the oil on the head of the sheep served as a repellent 
and a protectant against the flies so that the sheep could enjoy the blessings of the tableland. Oil in scripture is symbolic of the anointing of God, which is the bondage breaking, yoke destroying power of God resting on our lives. What am I saying to you? I'm telling you that if he led you to it, if he has visited it already, he's already visited it. And if he's visited it, he will put an anointing on you that will enable you to walk in what God has for you, no matter what the enemy throws at you. We like to say in the Christian world, new level, new devil. True. But I like to say, new level, new anointing. See, it's not just new level, new devil, as if God just sits still and says, okay, we're going to increase the attack against your life. God says, no, when a new devil, when a higher devil, when a bigger attack comes your life, guess what? I put a bigger anointing on you that is able to break every yoke and destroy every bondage of that situation. Jesus is telling us he's already visited it. And if he's visited it, he will equip us to walk in it. Listen to what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, who brought up from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, our great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need to do his will. Now we think what that says, may he equip you with all you need. That's not what it says though. It says to do his will. How do you know you're doing the will of God? You're following the leading of the Lord. You ain't equipped for everything. You're equipped with all you need to do his will. You get out of the will of God, you stop following God, and you fight flies over there, and you fight devils over there. You ain't got an anointing for that over there. But if you are in the will of God, it doesn't matter what comes your way. There's an anointing on you. There's an equipping on you. God equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. God is looking for your obedience. God wants to know that you are following him. And when you follow God and when you do what God said, God will put all the equipment on you that you need. If he's visited it, he will equip you to walk in it. And then lastly, if he's visited it, he's planned your transition from it. Summertime gives way to autumn. And autumn is mating season for the sheep. This is the best time of the year for the sheep. The flies go away, and they are just enjoying life. This is what David means when he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's good. But then you anoint my head with oil to protect me from the flies, but then my cup runs over. Now that I'm protected from the enemies. Now that I got the anointing on me, now I can enjoy the blessings of the table land. I can have a season of ease. I can have a season of enjoyment. I can have a season of comfort. I can have a season of goodness. I can enjoy the blessings of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord maketh one rich, the Bible says, and adds no sorrow. How many of you are grateful for seasons where you could just enjoy God's blessing on your life? My cup runs over. By the way, in the autumn season, this is when the males fight with one another. The rams, male sheep are rams, fight with one another to vie for the attention of the female because it's mating season. But how many of you know 
their heads have been anointed. And so when they go to buck heads with one another, instead of hurting one another, they slip by one another. How many of you are grateful that the anointing doesn't just protect you from the enemy? The anointing protects you from yourself. When you are walking in what, come on, when you are walking in what God has for you and that anointing gets on you, God will even protect you from yourself. God is that good. The shepherd though has to now transition the sheep from the tablelands back down to the homestead because the autumn season gives way to winter season. And interestingly enough, winter can sometimes come quicker than the shepherd was prepared for or quicker than the calendar said it should come. And so as the shepherd was leading the sheep down from the tableland to the homestead, sometimes a quicker chill, a quicker winter would set in on the way down and it would get so cold that the sheep were afraid or he would be afraid that the sheep would freeze to death and sometimes they would unless the shepherd was prepared. But how many of you know that our shepherd is always prepared. How many of you know that our shepherd can see the end from the beginning? Nothing takes him by surprise. He's not caught off guard by the situation. And good shepherds in Bible times would have a canteen of sorts. And in that canteen would be water mixed with some wine. And as the season changed too quickly, the shepherd would open the mouth of the sheep and drop some of the water mixed with the wine in the sheep's mouth to protect the sheep from getting too cold and cause the sheep to stay warm. I want you to know if you're in a season of transition right now, I want you to know your shepherd's got you. He's prepared for, for this. He's seen it coming. He planned for it. And you're going to move from this place to that place if you Follow the leading of the shepherd. Don't get off track. Follow him the whole way. Well, pastor, how am I going to get from one season to to the next? I want to remind you of what the wine in the scripture is symbolic of. It's symbolic of the blood of Jesus. The blood, as the old song says, that reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the lowest valley, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never, ever, 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 ever lose its power. That blood had the power to transition you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It had the power to transition you from an enemy of God to a friend of God, the power to take you from a child of the devil to a child of God, from a sinner to a saint, from going with the culture to becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I want to remind you that that same blood is on your side. The scripture says that it's on the he- in the heavenlies right now, on the mercy seat of God, crying out on your behalf, calling for God's favor in your life and your safe arrival. That blood is for you, not against you. And with the blood of Jesus on your side, which ratified the covenant that he made with you and I, there is no transition that you cannot make it to. Never lose your faith in the power of the blood because during transitions sometimes the enemy will try to kill you but when he sees the blood he's got to pass over because there's power in the blood 
It never loses its power. Just one drop has power. I shared this with you a few weeks ago. Legend has it that the place that Jesus was crucified in, the place of the skull, Golgotha, was thought by early church fathers to be the place that Adam was buried in. And so as the legend goes, when there was that earthquake around the crucifixion of Christ and the ground opened up beneath the cross of Christ that that gave way for a few drops of the blood of Jesus to fall on the skull of Adam and I don't know if it's true but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the place that the first Adam sinned and brought condemnation onto the world is the same place that drops of blood fell to take the sin away from the world there is power in the blood we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony is power in the blood just one drop has power what am I telling you I'm telling you if you need to get your life back on track if you need to walk in abundant life follow him he's been to the place of your marriage restoration and if he's walking you on a journey and it seems hard follow him he'll take you to a place of victory He's been to the place of your financial breakthrough. Follow him. He's been to the place of your dream come true. He's been to the place of your God-sized vision. He's been to the place of your mental health. He's been to the place of your best self. He's been to the place of your breakthrough. He's been to the place of your freedom. And he's also been to the place that he ultimately wants to take you to. Remember what he said? John chapter 14. He said, I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you may come also. He said, and I'll go there and then come back to receive you myself. And he goes on in my father's house are many mansions. What's he saying? The ultimate place that's been prepared for us is heaven. He's gone there. He's prepared it with us in mind. And then when it's our time, he comes back. And he takes us to the place that has been prepared for us. The ultimate place of life. The ultimate place of abundant life. The ultimate place of the God kind of life. And Thomas, what did he say when he was listening to Jesus say this? He said, he said, we don't know where you're going. How do we know how to get there? What did Jesus say? Same thing he's saying to us in this life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way. You don't need to make your own way. I am the way. In other words, if you got Jesus on your side, you always got a way. You are never without hope. Follow the way. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I I think I recognize almost every face in here, but let's stand to our feet. Because maybe I don't recognize one and I don't know the condition of your heart. But I ask you what I asked you, what I ask you almost every week. Are you right with God? Are you born again? Have you had your nature changed? Do you know what would happen to you if you leave this earth? Those watching online, what about you? There is no other way 
I know we like to live in a society where we tell everybody that, you know, their way is a possibility and that's a possibility. Jesus said it plainly. Don't get mad at me. I'm just quoting Jesus. By the way, I was supposed to go on some crazy show last week. And I said, no, I'm not going because I knew it was the kind of show where they would set me up for crazy questions. And before I said no, I was thinking about what would I say if they asked me crazy questions? And I would say this, well, the Bible says, and then they'd probably get mad. And I was thinking what I'd say when they get mad. Well, listen, I'm a preacher. I believe the Bible. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Well, what about this? That I'm just telling you what the Bible says. How many of you know it would be good if we just stuck with what the Bible says? Stick with that. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way to receive eternal life. If you're here today and you don't know where you stand with God, if you're watching at home, you don't know where you stand with God, right where you are, just say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, God bless you, sir. I see your hand. Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't know where I stand with him, but I'm giving him my life right now. At home, if that's you, if you're here and you raised your hand, let's pray this prayer together right now. Just lower the music just a little bit for a minute. Just a little bit. You can keep playing, but just keep it a little lower. Let's pray this prayer. Everybody praying it out loud together. At home, if that's you, let's pray this out loud. Heavenly Father, right now I'll give you my life. I repent of my sins. And I put my faith in Jesus. I receive him as my Savior. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, as simple as it sounds, the Bible says you're born again. You're saved. Your sins have been washed away. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. If you prayed that prayer in this place, just reach out to an usher. We have a gift we want to give you. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. You know, when people want to keep their religion to themselves, I don't understand those kind of people. Why would you want to keep the truth, the life, the answer, the greatest thing in all the world to yourself. Imagine this. Something good happened to you, right? And you kept it from your spouse. Forever and ever and ever. What does that say about your relationship with your spouse? When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you need to be proud of that. Flag and usher down. If you made that commitment, we have a gift for you. If you're watching online, click the little button to hand and we'll reach out to you. We love all of you. Jesus loves you more. We'll see you next week. God bless you.